So welcome, welcome, and uh, uh, thanks for coming over. And um, so we are going to um, discuss the um, adolescent sexual and reproductive health in the Middle East. Look at some basic uh, demography in the region and uh, some uh, special uh, phenomena. That in, in particular, we'll focus the lens on um, uh, uh, behaviors, risky behaviors, and the impact of social, cultural norms, political unrest, and uh, internal migration on sexual and reproductive health of adolescents. We'll see, um, I guess I should go to, the, uh, to my outline, um, how the, uh, uh, the scarcity of, uh, of data is impacting, you know, what we know, uh, quite a bit of, um, of our... Um, Work is based on uh, spotty uh, surveys, uh, anecdotal experiences, uh, proxy info, but and that sort of uh, is uh, the I guess the, some advances have been made in terms of um, uh, surveillance and all the rest, especially when it comes to HIV, AIDS um, uh, uh, monitoring and and. and um, and testing and all the rest, but uh, not, not a whole lot, and it's not uh, um, generalized in the whole region. So, um, so when we speak about them, uh, I'm going to use a couple of terms interchangeably. Uh, uh, the acronym MENA, which is uh, the Middle East and North Africa, and um, the Middle East. Um, some um, organizations uh, the, uh, use the different terminology, the World Bank, UN organizations, um, and e even each one of the UN has its own little term for the region. So, anyways, but um, it encompasses, uh, for the most part, Arabic-speaking countries with some exceptions, such as uh, Iran, uh, uh, um, and um, which they speak a different language. Iran is, is a bit of, is a bit confused. They're not sure what to consider themselves. <laughs> they want to be Europeans, uh, you know, whatever. So, yeah, n they're never too thrilled about being part of the Middle East, but they can't help it. That's, <laughs> that's where they're, they're at. So, um, what else? We're going to look at um, the structure of health services. I picked uh, a quick overview from Egypt, uh, just because I, it's my country of national origin. And uh, it, it's pretty much uh, more or less the same uh, structure, um, uh, health uh, care structure in the rest of the, uh, of the region. And then we'll critique it, um, and then we'll uh, take it from there, see uh, if you guys, you know, I take it that the fact that you're here, you're interested in the region in one way, shape, or form. So uh, what you guys can do, uh, some kind of uh, food for thought and for prayer. So let's take some time to uh, say a word of prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you. Um, thank you for um, bringing us together. Thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for your uh, divine intervention and capable hand that uh, brought each one of us here for a purpose. Um, Father, speak to us. Uh, Fill us with your Holy Spirit, guide us, um, uh, give us uh, grace and wisdom, and uh, I just acknowledge my uh, humbleness and my weakness, and I ask 
you to use this time to bless each and every uh, person here. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's, um, that's it. So, so the study of the Middle East, uh, of adolescence or youth in the Middle East, I'm going to get to this in a minute, is basically it focuses on like social aspects, education, um, uh, socio-political and economic <coughs> issues, not so much per se but the psychodynamic aspects, the uh, risky behaviors, the um, health aspects of adolescence. And that's for many reasons that we're going to uh, talk about as we go along. Uh, basically, it's a sort of a, uh, there is like an oxymoron here. It's a, it's a huge population in the Middle East, but yet it's still invisible for the most part. They're healthy, they're trouble. You know, we have more important matters to focus on. So they don't get as much attention um, as of yet, even though uh, globally um, there has been, the focus is, is shifting, even in this country with the um, Healthy People 2020, Adolescents have been added as a, uh, a new um, area for intervention um, and the Millennium Development Goals, which is like a parallel sort of, sort of initiative um, that's, um, you know, developing countries are um, being measured against uh, also has a focus on adolescents and some of the risky behaviors and the issues there. Um, uh, so uh, let's... Um, Let's see. Um, youth, young people, the, you know, adolescents, which is what? What is what? So WHO um, and the rest of the UN organizations um, made the decisions for us. So uh, 10 to 19 is adolescents. Uh, 10 to 24 is young people. It encompasses, encompasses everybody. Youth are 15 to 24. It took me like a month to get, wrap my head around it, but it gets into your system after a while. So, when, so the literature, uh, even the literature that contributes to UN basic, pretty much sticks to that. Otherwise, you'll see different. Like in, uh, in here, in our statistics, we don't see the 10 to, uh, uh, 10 to 19. Uh, uh, we, we see it like broke, broken down to uh, uh, go back to children and the, uh, the upper half goes, um, gets slumped with um, young people or youth. So, um, so uh, what's happening? Um, uh, in general, the population tripled in the Middle East um, uh, since 1970, between 70 and 210. It, it's about tripled, and that's also reflected in the uh, youth population. So the chart, here, if you can read it, um, um, it, it, it doubled in the first 30 years, and then it increased uh, significantly, um, uh, or it's expected to still increase until uh, 2040. So, uh, so the, the age structure... Um, uh, of the, of the population um, here um, is more than 50%, like 54% approximately, is still under the age of 25. So 
almost half the population is super, super young. And this is continuing to um, happen for uh, at least a couple of decades. So this is what, this is called the youth uh, bulge. Um, and it's a phenomena in the Middle East, and that's what I was referring to, that, boy, look at all these young people, and nobody's um, paying attention to them. Um, so... Uh, countries that have the youngest uh, uh, population um, in the region, for, for example, include the occupied the Palestinian territory, uh, Somalia, and Yemen. Um, so the uh, median age of the population in these countries is estimated to be between 17 and 18, so quite young. Okay, so, um, so what are the like, uh, manifestations or, uh, of the youth bulge in the Middle East? So many young people are anxious to leave the country uh, because of reasons that we're going to talk about. Um, they, the, the people from, say, Lebanon, uh, okay, let's Syria and Iraq are special cases now, but Egypt... Um, <coughs> Uh, Libya is, is another special case. Everyone is, most of the countries is, is becoming a special case. But they are, uh, the aspirations was get, you know, obtain your education or if you're not in, um, in formal schooling, just go to the Gulf or go abroad, get a better living, a better, better income and come back and establish a family. Um, so um, um, these doors have been, are being closed. Um, with the youth bulge and the economical uh, downturn and the conflict in the area, um, it's, it's becoming very expensive to, um, you know, get married, form a family. On the other hand, it's also, um, so they have a lot of time and uh, frustration and they become a target for the Islamist uh, groups uh, to recruit um, young people. Uh, attract them to their ideology and, uh, and you know, money incentives are, uh, is a factor for sure and, and, and so on. So, um, um, did I, uh, um, oh, there is uh, also uncertainty about the future and the uh, stress and the anxiety of the unknown. Uh, and that's, I, I just came uh, back from Egypt on Tuesday, Tuesday night. So uh, I usually look a little better than this. I'm sleep deprived. But, <laughs> but anyways, uh, the, the situation is um, uh, economically the Egyptian pound is being devalued against the um, dollar, the U.S. dollar the, and the euro and all the rest. And um, it's heavily controlled by the black market. Uh, unemployment rates are high. Um, uh, there has just been an inflation crisis over days. You know, my, we were at the supermarket. A couple of days later, my brother went and he said 30 to 40% increase in every, everything. So needless to say, people who live, and quite a bit of Egyptians live in, under poverty or under poverty line, what are they going to do? So there, um, so okay, so lots of time on their hands, no job, educated. Um, what do they do? Riots, a revolution. So today was the day for uh, for that. But I talked to my family, and they said, you know, 
things were okay, nothing major, at least that's what they're telling me. So um, it's, it's, uh, this is a good time to say that there was a, a, a church, the church have been putting uh, churches all over the place praying, and there was an overnight uh, last night, and obviously, you know, in, in the midst of all, all of this turmoil, God is speaking, appearing, changing, changing people beyond, like un, in unprecedented ways. People see God. Like I did not think, I mean, not in any Christian's wildest dreams would you think you'll step into a, your church and you'll see a cupboard, you know, woman sitting there just listening to the word of God. I mean, that's way too crazy. So they're good times. I mean, in, in, uh, in the, these are good times for sure. Um, okay. So, um, so, um, so these, the, the youth are being put on hold, and that's a, a, a new phenomenon, waithood. Um, they can't get married because of the economy. Uh, they're uncertain about the future, and then, um, uh, uh, again, they, they're like a prime target for um, terrorism. Okay, so uh, today's adolescence is a generation of firsts, if you will. Uh, the first generation to understand violence as a domestic issue, uh, to experience uh, life internally displaced as a refugee or as a refugee, um, to compete for global economy, um, to experience instantaneous communication with the world, um, cell phones, and uh, this is crazy, you guys. I, um, when I'm out there, I go to this uh, urban slum, I'm just going to give you, uh, it's, it's totally uh, uh, randomized. I mean, people just went to this area, and all of a sudden they became like one to two millions. Nobody knows. So uh, the church, <laughs> you know, you're not licensed to, uh, you know, it, it takes forever to get licensed to build a church, so you apply for a license to build a service uh, building. For ser like social services and community services, and they know that it's going to be a Christian place and church is going to be there, but anyways, that's the way it is. So um, I go to this place, and needless to say, it's a very poor area. So I, you know, worked with um, young adolescents, so up, up until the age of 14, say 10 to 14, and I was, that was a few years ago, so I was going to talk about uh, internet addiction, and I asked for a show of hands, who owns a cell phone? And I thought, I'll probably were like, say, 60 kids, I thought probably 10 at the, like, at the most. And I think for the exception of five, four or five, everybody had a cell phone, and they explained to me how they get that, like, the... Um, use the promotion money to get porn material and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, so anyways, the, you know, uh, intense use of uh, yeah, social media. Um, and, you know, how this has implications in terms of, like, um, putting themselves at risk and also for interventions as well. So uh, to grow up with, uh, you know, the majority growing up with... Uh, living in a single-parent household and to live an entire life in the shadow of AIDS, uh, uh, first generation. So... Um, violence as a domestic issue, are you talking about within a country or in the home? 
both. both. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make that difference later on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sure. Um, yeah, both. Um, uh, um, anyways, displacement and... Um, What they, you know, what, um, and this is based on a, um, I can talk, talk to you about this later on, but um, uh, at the early uh, uh, stages of, of the uh, genocide and the exodus that happened in Iraq and, and Syria, um, I was remotely, in, my brother was uh, uh, a person who got nudged and just took off with a few people and just went out there to see what they can do. So anyways, I got first hand, and this, this ministry continued, uh, not through an organization or anything, but just uh, a bunch of people from different churches and five or six people um, did that, but what they, have, what they go through is, uh, is incredible. Um, there was a, a, a woman, um, and that's uh, right on the target here, uh, just one of like a million stories, kids, um, Yazidis, uh, Christians, and Kids are living, you see kids lost, you just take them in, total strangers. But if you're an adult, you just take them in and you hang out together under a shelter, whatever the case may be. And so these girls, 12 and 14, have been sexually abused repeatedly every single day, several times a day by Daesh, you know, ISIS Members to the to the extent that you know one of them um, told her story of escape. The the wife of one of these uh, leaders had, after you know so long in captivity, felt bad for her and just let her go, helped her to escape. So talk about trauma that is unattended. We talk about PTSD. Forget it. I mean, there is more urgent needs for shelter, immunization, you know, um, and, and, and all the rest. So, yeah, it, it just crosses all uh, confinements and, and borders uh, violence um, that they have been through and the impacts of that as well. So, so um, the second decade of life is, 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 uh, um, is where uh, puberty develops and bringing in new capacity of the body, the body image and the sense of self. So the, the reason, I mean, we all know this stuff, but the reason I bring it up is to have us think through this in the context of people who are displaced and, and are in dire poverty and, and all the rest, uh, uh, compare and contrast as we, um, as we think uh, through these uh, items. <coughs> Cognitive development brings the um, capacity to look at a problem uh, from multiple perspectives and to um, explore um, uh, competing options for solutions. The social development brings with it the, um, the broader set of um, uh, influences family, peers, uh, teachers, uh, religious leaders, uh, artists, singers, uh, sports figures, uh, the moral development brings with it idealism, social engagement, and, uh, you know, the sense of voluntarism. So, um, looking at the leading causes of, um, uh, oops, let me, leading causes of uh, that, actually, let me go back one slide. And this slide is, it, it may be a bit small, but it, um, it looks at, um, compares the Middle East, um, uh, looks at the leading causes of death, 
comparing the Middle East with globally. Uh, uh, the Middle East is blue, globally is red. A is for uh, young adolescents, 10 to 14, and B represents the um, uh, 15 to 19 age group. And the uh, causes that made it to this slide uh, are the ones that contributed 5% uh, or more to, um, to uh, you know, uh, as a cause of that. So what we see here is that um, uh, cardiovascular and circulatory diseases, uh, transport injuries, um, together they contribute 15% um, uh, of uh, mortality in, uh, in, the, in the region. And it's, it's higher in the Middle East than in the world. Um, unintentional injuries contribute to um, mortality um, in a, in a similar, uh, similar uh, global level. Diarrhea, infectious disease, and like this part of the unfinished agenda of uh, communicable diseases, they still persist in poorer countries in the, in the region, but um, uh, are lower in, um, uh, in the Middle East than in globally. So that, um, I'll, I'll, we'll take a quick look at Dalis, um, and then we'll look at the epi transition in the region. Um, so Dalis is the uh, disability-adjusted uh, uh, life, uh, life years, which uh, takes into account the number of years lost uh, both prematurely and due to disability together. Um, so um, mental and behavioral, and that's a, uh, that's a good one to focus on, mental and behavioral uh, risks, um, um, they, I think, contribute 25% uh, of, um, of all uh, of, of DALIs. Yes, that's, that is correct for the MENA region. And um, the contribution of, uh, say, like musculoskeletal disorders, uh, nutritional deficiencies, transport injuries, chronic respiratory diseases um, is higher in the Middle East than in um, and then in the rest of the world, or compared to the uh, world. So HIV is, uh, is there, but it's, um, it's, uh, it has a lower contribution. So this bring us, brings us to the epi-transition, which is a shift from um, having the infectious diseases as the leading causes of death and disability in the region, a shift towards having non-communicable chronic conditions, and that is, again, in parallel to uh, the rest of the world. And this is due to um, um, initiatives and, and global health efforts that have been successful, such as the EPI, the Expanded Program on Immunization, and the Child Survival Program that was a, initiated by um, USAID. Um, and it was a global uh, program, and that looked into the causes of, und of death under five. And, you know, fair enough, it, it majorly, had major contributions to improve that. So that also, thinking about it, with the high fertility rate contributed to the bulge of the um, um, youth bulge, bulge that we talked about. Children are not dying as they used to. They're living longer, making it to adolescence, increasing that part of the pyramid in the, in the area. So making the case to invest in adolescence. Uh, you know, they're generally healthy. Um, health, uh, so why bother? That's like the first thing. That's what governments think of in the region. But um, when you think about uh, 
risky behaviors that are adopted during adolescence, they contribute majorly to uh, uh, mortality and morbidity in, during adulthood. And sometimes they cross generations, such as a, a H, HIV AIDS uh, being transmitted to uh, babies to the second generation and producing a generation that lives in the shadow of AIDS altogether. <coughs> so um, effective interventions protects, you know, public health investments and that, um, you know, capital there. Um, so um, let's talk about the uh, absence of appropriate health services for adolescents in particular and young people in the region. Um, it's greatly shaped by um, prevalent uh, social norms and, and values and um, um, that uh, and how the culture views um, adolescence. So government health services do not re recognize the special needs of adolescents, especially when it comes to sexual and reproductive health. If you're an adolescent, you're a single adolescent, you, don't, you have no rights until you get married. And even if you get married as an adolescent, you have no rights. Your first job is to have babies, as many as you can, quickly, and, uh, and yeah, you don't, your mother-in-law controls that. I'm, I, I mean, I'm taking it the, uh, to the extreme, but it's very true, in, especially in rural areas um, uh, and in, uh, among the less um, educated and educated as well. Tunisia is an exception in many regards. It's more of a liberal country. Uh, prostitution is a huge industry in Tunisia and Morocco. Uh, and um, so it has um, um, adolescent clinics that are open for non-married adolescents, God forbid. So I... Um, uh, so one kid, uh, uh, in a 15-year-old, in a survey, he said, um, uh, he or she, I'm not quite sure, if, uh, if we want to ask the nurse or a doctor, um, uh, they would laugh at us and tell us uh, to wait until we'll, we'll, we are older or we get older. Um, so I guess I, I repeated that. So that kind of gives you a, an idea. Um, High social uh, and religious value, uh, uh, there is a high social and religious value placed on virginity. So, um, you know, the ex extramarital sex is just, uh, or used to be virtually non-existent. I mean, if it was, you don't hear about it, and that's the end of that. Uh, um, so, it's it usually, like, if a, a pregnancy happens outside of uh, 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 wedlock, um, illegal abortion is there. Abortion is illegal, and anyways, it used to be a big mess. It's not as such anymore, but it's still the, you know, uh, the prevalent uh, uh, value, if you will. Um, uh, so. Uh, um, young women who yeah, marry uh, early, they also lack access to knowledge and uh, services. Um, so um, Tunisia, again, has uh, legalized abortion on demand. I don't know the extent to what, how this is working or not. Um, uh, emergency contraception is currently licensed in Algeria, Egypt, Lebanon, Libya, Tunisia, and in Yemen. Um, okay. 
So, taking uh, um, uh, gender-based violence as an example of um, uh, uh, huge public health issues issue that's prevalent in the region and that um, contributes quite a bit to um, risky uh, sexual and reproductive health issues. So, uh, justification for violence um, um, is uh, you know, frequently is based on uh, gender norms. That is, the, you know, the social norms and the roles um, and the responsibilities of men and women. So, men take uh, boys and men take precedence. Um, so, um, uh, there perceived as, and that's similar to the uh, Latino culture, uh, per, uh, perceived as aggressive and uh, 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 the supremacy, the power, um, a woman uh, sees her role as passive, and that was, um, um, you know, again, the West, the U.S., you know, many, many, many years ago. Um, um, so, yeah, so... That leads to a sort of like an unequal power distribution, and the woman is all a girl is victimized even when she's sexually abused. Um, she's blamed and she's victimized, and 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 all the rest. Um, even put them in prison um, in Iran, in a country like Iran. Um, okay. So um, some sexual and reproductive health issues among the internally displaced populations in Syria um, and in Syria and in Iraqi refugees in, in, in displacement settings. So the mental health of uh, displaced Iraqis who witnessed and were subjected to violence and murder and torture and all the rest is, is of course, uh, is, is hardly even measured uh, and it's not attended. Um, so um, uh, a recent study identified uh, trauma as a key influence um, on the mental and physical health of Iraqi refugees in Sacramento, California. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety, depression uh, were documented there. So Iraqis and Syrians, uh, Syrians are often reluctant to disclose mental illness because it's stigmatized in Middle Eastern culture. Um, and so they're running around with these conditions in displaced, uh, displacement settings and in, in refugee camps. With, uh, again, it's, uh, I, I should mention this, that um, the Chaldean church that my, you know, my brother uh, and his group were hooked up with, Erbil is the, um, uh, a relatively safe city in Kurdistan that uh, was the recipient of an influx, um, tens of thousands, one night, just like that. They just marched in. And the church is, you know, opened up every thing. They had volunteers, uh, and they served these people for, and they kept coming, and it, it, it was just like a, an, an amazing and overwhelming situation, but um, um, needless to say, uh, as time went by, this was the most trusted refugee setting with the least amount of problems like crime and assaults and rapes and all of that, like hardly any, uh, just because, um, you know, God is in overshadowing this place and it, they opened their doors, you know, whatever doors. 
um, to everybody, you know, not discriminating, you know, who comes in. And that's a huge, like a, an incredible testimony to, uh, you know, Yazidis, Muslims, and I have to tell you this story. I should stop doing this, but this is really cool, you guys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, uh, they um, got together with a group of Yazidi, Yazidis, and they, had, I'm, I'm not quite sure what their belief is, but they believe Satan is good. There's some goodness in Satan. He was a good person, but he goofed off and something of that nature. So they don't know otherwise. But they, um, uh, the group met with them and they're mostly kids and took them, you know, got them a meal and played with them and all the rest and it was just a very emotional time for everybody. But they um, said, we want you to pray for, this, this, these people had family members that were lost. We want you to pray for them. We don't know anything about them. So, fair enough, they prayed. and They don't know anything about prayer. But anyways, the group prayed. Four days later, when they went back to Egypt, uh, they got a phone call from their leader. And he said, guess what? 35 girls just marched in. And some of them were family members of those. Uh, so, God uses this to... What do you think? You know, they would want to know that God who brought their, you know, family members back. Anyways, back on track. So, um, uh, in, uh, okay, so um, a, a couple other features um, uh, of um, gender-based violence in the um, region, in the, among the displaced, um, uh, uh, expert mental and psychological care is lacking. Uh, health, uh, I mean, health care providers, physicians, and specialists, are running away because they're being threatened and because they can't work and because their hospitals are being, you know, shut down. So um, interventions are, are left to e either short-term volunteers, you know, from here or elsewhere or uh, uh, unprofessionals who get crash courses to help, the, you know, aid the, the displaced. And... Um, uh, uh, humanitarian agencies also sometimes deviate from, uh, you know, from these core values that we abide by. So, um, um, okay. So, what are the impacts of the conflict and the econo economic downturn? I probably went through some of them, so I'll just go down the list to see if, if, um, if there's anything I need to bring up. Of course, the spread of HIV/AIDS. Go figure. Uh, multiple partners. Uh, uh, coercion, uh, abuse, uh, all the rest, uh, no protection, uh, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the region or in displaced settings. Um, uh, as I mentioned, young people have to delay marriage because of the economy, and that uh, leaves a sort of a, a, a period of vulnerability where they get engaged in risky sexual behaviors. Orphi marriage, orphi marriage is a... Um, a legalized prostitution, if you will, mostly practiced in Iran, uh, out of all places. They, uh, okay, so a man can get a woman, a girl, eight-year-old, ten-year-old, whatever the case may be, use her as much as he wants, a day, a month, throws her out with HIV, pregnant, go figure. 
there's about 75% of HIV um, in Iran is contracted through, uh, you know, these uh, types of scenarios. So, um, uh, and uh, that was a shocker. I was in a, a regional uh, uh, WHO meeting in, in Jordan, in Amman, and there was the Irani assistant minister of health uh, some years ago, before the crisis. And the topic came uh, in, in, in the conversation, and naively I thought the guy will stand against it. My goodness, like defending it right and left, and the right, the assistant to the minister of health. Say no more. Okay, so um, uh, migration and internal displacement uh, um, affected mainly Iraqis and Sudanese and Syrians, as you probably know, the lack of knowledge, and they remain in the status quo. Some of them have are waitlisted with some UN agency to take <coughs> them outside, and this this was a, 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 a huge uh, uh, reason for. Um, despair among uh, priests, um, Iraqi priests, because the Christian population is dwindling. Like everybody's leaving. Uh, a few who are still surviving, and they're holding the fort, so to speak, and want to go back to their homes. But the good news is that some of these towns are being liberated um, these days, so that's, uh, that's good. So gender disparity is another um, uh, social uh, norm that has an impact on sexual and reproductive health of adolescents. A boy, as I mentioned, has pref uh, preference. Um, uh, a boy can even control his sister what, you know, what to wear and where to go and what not to do and, and all the rest. And So imagine you're going out and your brother says, no, you can't wear this, you can't go out. And he could be your you know, younger brother. Um, so, but they can do whatever they want, um, uh, and that's re reflected on um, dignity, access to information, um, self-respect, self-esteem, and all the rest. Um, uh, um, husbands um, can have uh, multiple sexual partners, but uh, in, you know, without protection, but the, the wife has no say in that. So healthcare system in Egypt, I'll use a, um, uh, as I mentioned, I will use it as an example. Okay, so the um, ancient Egyptians paved the way as um, it was so much fun. When I was in medical school and I, we went to um, uh, one of the temples in Upper Egypt uh, in Komombo and Edfu, and there were, uh, I was studying surgery, and there was all the instruments carved on the temple uh, walls, and it was just so cool. Uh, so anyways, they knew much more than we do these days. But um, um, So the Ministry of Health and Population um, is the major um, health provider. So, so parallel to what uh, public health uh, service here, um, uh, uh, major provider for, he for health, and especially uh, free, uh, you know, national free health uh, care. Um, the, the quality is, is, a, is a huge issue there, um, quality of health services. And it, it's also um, uh, the, the provider of, um, uh, of, of health education as well. The Ministry of Higher Education is responsible for medical um, and nursing um, uh, education and service delivery. 
there is like a good uh, network of like the infrastructure of the healthcare is well established and well distributed throughout the country. And pretty much you'll find the same in, in other uh, Arab can countries, uh, Tunis Tunisia and Jordan and Lebanon. Uh, um, are, um, they stand out in that regard. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so the uh, Ministry of Health um, does a whole lot, uh, MCH services, uh, communicable diseases, immunizations, the environment, the whole uh, thing. Um, so where do Egyptians seek care? Of course, the low income will go to the public uh, government hospitals or facilities, clinics, uh, and uh, as, a, as a graduate, um, a, a physician graduate after internship, you're obligated to spend a couple of years in one of those facilities, either in a school setting or a country setting and all the rest. So um, uh, the, uh, the availability of care is, is very uh, challenged. Um, and this is due to financial deficit rising costs, um, inefficient use of available resources. Um, there is a lack of a regulatory body uh, or, um, you know, quality, uh, quality of care. Um, and there is a poor, uh, poor management uh, uh, of, in general, of resources um, impacting all the providers in Egypt. The, I mean... Yes, there are tertiary care facilities that are, you know, they provide good service, but they're terribly, terribly expensive. Uh, um, and this is, uh, I think I, I see better here, um, uh, different types of health facilities. They range between rural units, health centers, and MCH uh, uh, centers, and, and uh, health offices and mobile clinics. The, the way to go for... Uh, Quality treatment is to the, the private sector, which is terribly, terribly expensive. Um, so the health care reform, the, the health sector reform, there was a plan from 97 to uh, 018, and I'm not quite sure that it got, you know, far. Um, so the guiding principles were about universality, quality of care, equity, efficiency, and sustainability. Uh, pharmaceuticals is a very challenged area that needed reform, especially these days um, and, and post-revolution. Um, many medicines, essential medicines are not available or are in, sold in the black market and all the rest. Um, uh, so major challenges to that reform are like delays in the uh, infrastructure development. Corruption is, a, is one that may not be here. Um, uh, insufficient advocacy, uh, uh, lack of sustainability of financial resources and, and um, you know, such things. Um, so, wh so where do most facilities stand in the healthcare reform? Mostly are, they're not in the mainstream. Um, certain ones get to make it there, and I'm not quite sure how this is um, done, but... Um, uh, typical, um, uh, in a typical hospital personnel at large, they have, there is lack of uh, awareness of the rules. There is, there is um, sometimes no 
for the most part, no job description. Uh, uh, they do their thing. So you, at, at some point, nurses, I mean, nurse, nursing is a scarcity there. And nurses were just kind of inherited or got into the profession, just kind of learned on the job. And you go figure. So... Um, Oh, okay, so trans, you know, transforming the issues to opportunities. I like, um, I like to do that. And, um, uh, you know, the, there was an effort a year ago that I, in, in O15, that I participated in kind of getting a think tank to um, think along, you know, healthcare reform and start with a, like a pilot uh, a project to um, uh, run, you know, um, uh, do a quality improvement sort of pilot in, in, a, in a, and needless to say, we would start with a Christian uh, uh, facility to, for ease of access and because also the services uh, needed uh, and all of that. So, um, um, uh, oops. Okay, I'll just tell you a, a, a story. Um, it, it became a classic, uh, sort of like analyzing the uh, um, deficiencies in the healthcare system, uh, especially when it relates to um, uh, reproductive health. And if you Google it, why did Mrs. X uh, die? And the guy who kind of came up with this was the dean of the School of Medicine where I went to medical school uh, there, uh, Dr. Fathallah. And um, so, so Mrs. X could be any... Mrs. X, who is a, an 18-year-old or 15-year-old or older, um, presented to uh, OB uh, with uh, an obstetrician with uh, severe hemorrhage. Um, she had a placenta previa. Uh, okay, so the intern rotating, they didn't know much about the situation and tried to call the resident. Um, uh, you know, frantically, um, you know, calling the resident. Um, and um, and then Mrs. X, the resident, finally comes in. She needs a blood transfusion. Um, there was no blood. Uh, Cross-matching with her family members was not done. And the woman uh, bled to death. Will you guys believe me if I tell you I had this exact same scenario happen to me, you know, with me at my hands when I was an intern uh, rounding in an OB. Uh, this exact same situation. She had um, nine kids, and I still remember her 15-year-old. And I remember his face, and I remember his cries and his tears. Uh, and I, I was the frantic person calling the, um, the resident who came yelling at me, like, why are you disturbing me? Like, seriously. And you just felt power, I mean, powerless. And I was in a I had my, did my training in, an, in a, the best hospital in town. There were like the best sort of government hospital and the university um, hospital. And she bled to death. And um, that is uh, a sad uh, reality. Uh, this, I want to say it's, it's definitely much better because, again, contributed to that is the education, the awareness, and, you know, maternal care has been, uh, prenatal care has been um, uh, more um, emphasized, but nevertheless. So while, you know, considering availability and readiness, the hospital was not ready to receive and manage um, a straightforward OB emergency uh, case. Uh, 
you know, and um, the trained physician, the training was just lacking, and the attitude was bad. Um, so, um, so that presents core areas for um, health uh, uh, sector uh, action. That's according to WHO. Um, so especially when it, it pertaining adolescents, uh, providing health services, collecting and using data needed to advocate, plan, and monitor health uh, sector interventions, developing and implementing uh, health promotion um, activities and programs and policies, mobilizing and supporting other sectors. It doesn't, health is no longer um, uh, op uh, operate in vacuum. All our, uh, especially adolescent um, sexual and reproductive health are all uh, intersector uh, related, if you will. Um, uh, education, culture, um, uh, social work, um, and along with uh, health. So that brings us to um, a, a good framework to understand uh, the determinants of health, especially the social determinant of, determinants of health that impact adolescents in the region and globally, and uh, also a, frame of work, uh, a framework for action as well. So that's the ecological model with, uh, which um, uh, um, uh, says that um, these determinants that affect health and illness uh, of the individual, they are interrelated and related to the environment, the different spheres of the environment that the person lives in. So at the very core is the adolescent um, uh, ethnic group, uh, gender, age, um, all the rest, and the immediate, um, immediate circle um, surrounding the adolescent is the closest uh, network, family, um, uh, followed by you know peers um, and, and school uh, teachers and um, the school environment, and um, then it's um, um, uh, the other wider circle that has that the influences go go back and forth in terms of either protecting or facilitating a risk factor is the neighborhood um, and the religious community, the physical neighborhood, the work setting, the cognitive uh, uh, neighborhood, and then the wider one is the national and global context, the economic events, the historical events, the political events, and, um, and the laws and the regulations. That's just an example of a, um, uh, an individual factor, which is the, the adolescent by default, their brains are still developing into adulthood. Um, and it undergoes dramatic changes during adolescence. So uh, one of the brain uh, areas that's still maturing is the frontal uh, cortex, which is the part of the brain that enables us to assess situations, make um, sound decisions, keep us from uh, risk. So we accusing uh, adolescents of being uh, crazy and, uh, you know, irrational. On <laughs> it's just that it, it's not that. It's just their brain is not fully developed, so they're unable to, uh, when somebody says, try a, a puff, fine, you know, don't tell them it's going to hurt you in the future. They're not there yet. So um, anyways, it's good to understand this and to use, um, use, um, use it for the benefit. So that's an, an example, um, benefit of planning, and that's an example of an individual factor, and uh, it would be fun to um, 
I already talked about this. I'm going to skip this one. This is just, uh, just to show you how the um, WHO um, is um, assisting countries, including the Middle East, to um, uh, uh, do a health uh, reform, uh, system reform to respond to adolescents from a national level going down to district, facility, and community level, the different types of actions there. And that, again, if you think about it, it's, uh, it's an application having the ecological model framework in the back uh, of that. So we urgently need to move beyond the status quo because, um, you know, beyond mortality, beyond addressing the individual and focusing only on the individual issues and, um, you know, uh, addressing causes that are preventable. And, um, okay, so what, I'll, I'll just get this one after... Um, let me think. I, uh, no, here's the one I want. I just they're not in order as I wanted them to be. So, what? Like really? What can I do? What can you do? You think? Oh, you're here. You may have a few years in medical school or whatever. It's nice. You learned a few things. Maybe later on. But I would say you know, you're not here by accident, and if God brought you thus far, at least, you know, pray about it. I wanted to borrow a couple of pictures from my other um, presentation, but I, I didn't have time to do that, but uh, Jonathan can tell you about them. It's this uh, huge, um, we have, like, those, like, huge uh, uh, rallies for youth, um, couple times a year in Egypt, and people come even from other countries, young people. And the Holy Spirit presence is so powerful that just in the service, people get drugs and out of their pocket, and they put it in the offering plate, and, and just people by the masses. It's about, um, how much, how many, 6,000 each time. So, and it beats me why God chooses to work through us. Uh, it beats, I don't understand it. But that's the way he operates. And the, the, I'm learning, it's a learning curve, but the way he operates is also through prayer. Not, oh God, please guide me, but really, really getting to know him through a time of prayer. Uh, you guys are probably hooked with um, small groups or uh, Bible study groups. Bring it up. Challenge people to pray with you and for you. And See what, you know, what God, instead of wasting time and until God brings another opportunity back and you start from scratch, I would say step on it and raise awareness with your, you know, group, uh, within your group. I, I want to go see the refugee thing before it. Uh, but there is so much need and we're equipped to, um, to do it. And I, I just bring this, you know, the Egypt, you know, team, they just got nudged. And it was crazy because nobody was going out there. Flights were not going out there. The first flight that went out, and, and there was like this guy that had a private jet and everything and a rich man there, and he let them down, of course. And, but my brother put something on Facebook, and boom, you know, God sent right and left, left and God used them tremendously beyond their expectations. It was a life-changing thing, and they continued to do stuff over there. Um, so is this the last one okay I'll show you this again 
these are homes in, in a village um, in, in Upper Egypt that was uh, the home of the 13 of the uh, 21 Libya murders. And that's the reason why they went out for work. That's, the, that's their home, basically. No running water and see the sheep. And the So, again, a nudge from the Holy Spirit on Facebook. Let's fight uh, Satan by developing and creating job opportunities. All the media and everybody went there and then it all dwindled. But these three individuals just went and that's what they're doing there. So, it's it, it just making you know, making um, myself available. And recently it struck me as I was about a year or two ago reading the Bible and watching Jesus commission the 12 and the 70. Preach the word, heal the sick, and cast demons out. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Peter was bad. He was a bad boy. He denied Christ, but Christ used him, the, the rock that he built his church on. Not only that, but Peter, like when this guy, the limp, the paralyzed guy, but, uh, he, was, he was a beggar. And Peter was coming out of the temple in Acts 2 or 3. Or, yeah. And he, sa- he was begging for money. And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Boom. And the guy who was born paralyzed. I mean, he is the same and I'm telling you, guys, this stuff happens in other parts of the world. And we are, it's up to us whether to take it or leave it, be uh, part of this or not. So, anyways, that's, uh, that's what I have. I ran over time. Sorry. <laughs>